0: grassroots levels with world cup and european championship experience hello and welcome to another edition of leader manager coach my name is rob riles and i'm really pleased to be here with you today so how are you getting on with the coaching how are you getting on with your leadership of your team and your relationships in your group of players your group of athletes or your business hope things are going well I'm sure you're facing some challenges because that's what life's about, isn't it? How many of us can relate to the fact that life can often seem like a relentless cascade of challenges? Well, the wisdom that I've been looking at recently tells us that if you feel like that, you're probably on the right track because life's throwing you all the challenges you need in order to make you grow So that you can get nearer to what it is you desire. Whether your goal is a more successful team or an achievement of a certain qualification. Or something that's maybe more material, whatever that may be. So if you feel like that, well join the club. And well done because you're probably on the right track as far as all the information that I've been looking at recently is telling us. Today I wanted to share with you some information and some wisdom from a book called The Four Agreements and amazingly enough, I only came across this book a couple of years ago it was published in 1997 it's by a guy called Don Miguel Ruiz and this book since its publication has become a worldwide bestseller, in fact I I believe in the United States it's sold over 7 million copies which is a pretty decent amount it's Beauty for me is in its simplicity, as many things are. Simple is beautiful. And it's essentially what it says on on the on the front, it does what it says on the tin. Within the book, Don Miguel talks and extrapolates upon four principles. And I'm going to go over those principles because these principles have an absolute fundamental bearing on leadership. And when I reviewed this book, having been reminded of it by um, a great website, which I'll, I will um, tell you what it is, there's a website called entheos.com, dot E-N-T-H-E-O-S, that's www.entheos, dot com, which is created, or has been created, and is still being created by an amazing guy called Brian Johnson, who provides... Absolutely masses, masses and masses of high quality content and information on things like leadership, things like personal growth, things like goal setting, things like mastery. It's so worthwhile checking out his website and I will say to Brian, you know, on this podcast, I'm I'm not sure he'll be listening to it, but I've been subscribing to Brian's website for a a while and the value that i've got out of it has been phenomenal he provides lots of free information and there is a subscription service too but i'm sure you can check that out for yourself and he was the guy who just recently tickled my mind if you like and um reminded me about this great book and i wanted to share with you so the first principle that Ruiz talks about is what you say he calls it be impeccable with your word now that's a strong word impeccable it's Possibly means almost flawless or possibly flawless or perfect. Now, I don't go in for perfect. I think I'm a recovering perfectionist, if the truth be known. I've spent a great deal of my life getting frustrated and feeling like things should be better than they are. And one of the great lessons that people have have taught me is that we do our best. We go out there in the chaos. We do our best. We do everything we can. And we make the best of it and yes we can come back and improve it and yes we can work on it but getting frustrated and angry and um possibly down about things not being perfect or you not being perfect i can vouch for that being a sure way to not being a happy bunny so i don't know whether any, any of you guys can relate to that or any of you ladies can relate to that or your players can relate to that how many of you got players who show body language that because they're frustrated and maybe they haven't actually got themselves onto that plateau of learning that we talked about when we talked about the mastery book in an earlier podcast. So if you haven't heard that, you know, go and tune into that and um, dig deep into that, the mastery where you understand and get a great deal of peace of mind from learning that life is about getting on a plateau and working at it incrementally in your own way with your mentors maybe, to get to a point where you break through the barrier and, and rise up to the next plateau, but back to being impeccable with your word. How many of us can absolutely say, and I certainly can't say this because I've done some little bit of introspection recently since I've, since I've looked at this book, that we're absolutely impeccable with our word. Let me, let me share you a story. We We sometimes have um, players who are, as you do, who can't come to training and who are ill or injured. And then when they get back to a level of fitness or they return to training, then they obviously, as footballers do, as players do, especially youngsters, they want to be back in the team straight away. And one of our unwritten rules is if you don't train, then you don't play in a game. It protects the player and it sets a real good standard. Now, I know that we've bent, if I can use that word, bent that rule. And it's not a rule, it's a guideline, but that doesn't really matter, I don't think. We've bent that guideline um, on certain occasions in order to satisfy a number of criteria, whether that's the parent wanting the child to play, the boy wanting to play so desperately... Or a combination of factors which often occurs, doesn't it? And I'm sure you can relate to this if you are an academy coach and you deal with players and life's not perfect and you get a situation whereby you have another player who drops out so you're a squad member down and the player who's been injured or ill is available and yes, they haven't necessarily met the criteria that you have as a guideline at your club and then you've perhaps included them in your team or your squad and you've kind of set another standard and that's certainly been something that's happened in my sphere recently and, you know, I think we need to be impeccable with our word. I think we need to stand up. I think, you know, my opinion is that we need to be strong and we need to say, you know, these are the guidelines. These guidelines are there for the good of everybody and looking forward, taking the long-term view, it actually helps whereby if you Consent to thinking, do you know what? We'll bend the rules on this occasion. And I'm throwing the question out there, really. I'm not saying you shouldn't bend the rules from time to time. Maybe you've got a different opinion, and all circumstances should be taken on their own merit. I'm sure you understand that. But how many times in the future does it come to, and I'll, I'll excuse the expression, come and bite you back on the bottom because you've made a decision that actually goes against the grain of the guidelines that you've already set? So getting back to being impeccable with your word. You know, I asked myself a few questions and maybe you can ask yourselves these questions. How impeccable are you with your word? How many times do you turn up for your training session having absolutely fundamentally done real due diligence on your preparation? You've got your session down, you've got the details, you've got the area, you've got the timings, you've got the players in certain positions, you've got your four or five key points that you want to bring out in order and you've spent real due diligence time and your preparation for your session as you said you would in your interview or as you said to yourself that you would do in your new year's resolution well I'll hold my hand up and say that I certainly have turned up at a training session and my preparation has not been where I would like it to be and that is something that I'm constantly working on You know, and I think I owe it to my players to be impeccable with my word that if I say to them, look, I will be your coach this year, this season, and I will give you every single thing I've got to help you to achieve your goal as a young footballer, I owe it to them to sit down and spend the time to do the right amount of preparation because that's what I've promised myself I will do. So being impeccable with your word, whether it's for yourself or it's for your players or it's for your teammates, or it's for your co-coaches, the people that you work with. Moving on, the number, number two, don't take anything personally. Now this is a biggie, this is a biggie. How many times in life, in our environments with our players, do we see players and ourselves taking things personally? So something's happened, the session hasn't worked, or something's not gone as we would like it, and for whatever reason we think it's our fault, that person has done what they've done and actually they've messed my session up and it becomes all about you or all about me. I'll hold my hand up again and say that that's something that I've got frustrated with and I've felt anger with and I could shout and I I, I could really go to town because I've got a player who isn't actually doing what I would like them to do and the result of that is that the coaching session that I've planned... looks nothing like I wanted it to... I think becoming an amazing coach is one of the most frustrating things there is... because it is... you are trying to control a phenomenally chaotic environment... and when you get it right... it is so amazing and so pleasurable... and if you are a football coach you will recognise that... and when it doesn't go right... It's extremely frustrating. And, you know, I'll hold my hand up again and I'll say that in my, my coaching sessions, I don't know what the percentage is of, of the times when I think, Do you know what? That's gone really, really well. And I'm so pleased with that. And we've got a great result. I don't know what it is, but it's certainly not 100% of the time. It might, I don't know what it is, whether it's 50% of the time, 40% of the time, it might even be less than that. It might even be 20% of the time when I'm really happy with it. I think it might be actually, because that's the Pareto principle, isn't it? The 80-20 rule, you know, where 80% of your efforts will produce 20% of your results and 20% produce 80%. So it's probably nearer 20%. And getting back to the don't taking anything personally, it's not that player's fault. He's just doing what he's the best he can do at the particular time. And the result is that it has a negative effect on your coaching session, your training session. It isn't personal. So don't take it personally. Um, and that's something I'm really working hard on. So that I don't get too frustrated. I don't take it out on the, the player. And I don't let it bother the rest of the session. Oh, I don't let it bother me so that it has a negative effect on the on the rest of the session. Number three, don't make assumptions. So let's go back to that player who's having a bad day. Let's get back to that person or the the person in your team, the athlete, the business associate or the coach who is not at the races or is not functioning, is not contributing or isn't doing what it is that you believe or is the the gold standard of of how people should act and and present themselves in in the situation in order to, to achieve success. That must happen every day in every situation because life is like that. And how many times do we assume that that person, that child, that player, that individual that athlete has X, Y, Z as the problem and they should fix it by doing ABC? Well, again, hold my hand up and say that, do you know what, I think, you know, this person should do that and when they come to training, they should be doing X, Y, Z and then everything would be great. Well, what we don't know is all the thousands and millions and X number of things that are going on in their lives with their families, their social setup, their school, their physiology, are they unwell? Is it a particular situation that they've got? We're all physiological, psychological beings that are not consistent. And one of the things we have to accept, I believe, about human beings, and it's one of the beautiful things about human beings, is that we never can act consistently from one day to the next. Now, there is a level of consistency and that is, you know, what makes people really good at what they do. I mean, if we take, you know, let's look at the tennis world and and go back, you know, a few decades and think about Bjorn Borg. You know, he was like, you could say he was a machine. Let's come forward a few decades and look at Roger Federer in the tennis world. And again, he is like a machine. And those are the kind of people who master the consistency process and you wouldn't know if Bjorn Borg or Roger Federer had a a social or a family issue going on it would be very difficult to tell whereas possibly with somebody like George Best and Paul Gascoigne if I I can use those two as examples you'd probably know because their psychologies are different the way that they've learnt to deal with situations are different so getting back to the don't make assumptions it's very easy to make assumptions and I think the best thing to do to counteract that is to have a little warning sign that says to us, if somebody's not where they should be, A, how can I help? And B, it's probably not what I think it is. And then we can move on and try and deal with the situation as best as possible, rather than getting bogged down in criticism and bitterness about somebody not doing what we think they should be doing. And number four. And I quite like this one because this kind of gets us off the hook as human beings without letting us get away with doing the wrong thing. Number four is always do your best. And how many of us always do our best? Well, I think that's all we can do. But it's a great question to ask yourself. Am I doing my best? Well, only you know the answer to that. And there are times when we can all pull a little bit more out of the bag And there are times when actually we are doing our best, we're doing everything we possibly can, we've done everything we possibly can within the realms of our possibility, within the limitations of our life at that particular moment in time, our frailties, and our challenges, and the responsibilities that we have, we do our best, but it's a great check. It's a great check to make sure that we're actually doing our best. And if we are doing our best, give yourself a big pat on the back and say, do you know what, this is the best I can do. And if I can review it, I can analyze it, I can come back tomorrow and I can make a, a 0.1% improvement. And if that can be compounded over time, so that every time I do a training session, a coaching session, whatever it is you do to achieve success in life, and you can review it and you can create that 0, even that 0.1% improvement that will be compounded over time. As Jordan Peterson says, you will not recognize where you can be in two to three years. You know, it doesn't have to be that 5% improvement and that's probably not going to happen. It's being satisfied and understanding that those 0.1% improvements are the best you're going to get personally and with the people under your jurisdiction. And if you can compound those over time, you're going to have a successful coaching life or a successful management life or successful leadership situation so what are these four agreements they are be impeccable with your word so do what you say you're going to do do what it says on the tin because those people are valuable how many people in life do you know who do exactly what they say they're going to do there's not a great deal of those people about do yourself a favor and do everything you can just to simply be somebody who does what they say they're going to do it's an amazing trait Number two, don't take things personally. Don't get knocked off track because it's not personal. Nothing's personal most of the time. And if it is, then it's probably because the person who's creating the situation has got an issue themselves. So in, in effect, although it's pers- may be aimed at you, it's just aimed at the nearest person. Again, it probably isn't personal. And if you can deal with that, You'll take a great deal of stress out of your life, especially when you're dealing with groups of people. Number three, don't make assumptions, don't assume that you know what's going on in somebody's mind, in their life, underneath, you know, the iceberg principle where 10% of it's sticking out and you can see exactly what's going on, and the other 90% is on the underwater, and we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what's going on, but we can only assume. Well, you know what happens when we assume? We often get things wrong. Number four, always do your best. little check, a check for a a positive emotion of, you know what, I am doing my best. Big pat on the back. Keep doing it. Keep going. But actually, don't beat yourself up because you can only do what you can do at that particular moment in time. So that's the four agreements. It's a wonderful little book. It's a small read. It won't take you too long. It's Don Miguel Ruiz. Just like all the other books, it's available on Amazon and um, you know I can't recommend it highly enough. So that's the book I wanted to go over today. I hope you're doing well. One thing that's been playing on my mind a little bit and you might think, wow, that's really strange. That's, that's such, a, such a strange thing. Again, in a previous podcast, I've mentioned that one of my, or well, probably my greatest hero in football, just like a lot of other people is um, the late great Bill Shankly and... I don't know what the most famous quote that Shanks has ever come out with is, but there's a great chance it's the quote that goes something along the lines of football's not a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that. Now, I would hedge a bet to say that that is possibly Shanks' most famous quote. And I've been thinking about this because I'm not making any apologies for going a little bit philosophical here but I ask myself a question sometimes because I've devoted so much of of my thoughts so much of my life so much time so much time away from my own kids and I've been obsessed by football definitely to the point of obsession and this has lasted you know over the five decades of my life I wonder sometimes whether you know and this, is a, this is a deep question Have I been spending my time thinking, analysing, watching, listening to, talking about something that's a little bit futile when we've got all these challenges in the world? And it came to me that Shanks' quote is very much related to that. I know that other people have analysed it because I've heard it discussed, but to somebody like Shanks who devoted his life to football but who also had amazing rhetoric and was an amazing communicator and came out with some amazing quotations and had a philosophy on life and had a philosophy on the game. For him to say that football is not a matter of life and death, it's much more important than that. That just portrayed what the game meant to him. And I don't think it's any deeper and i think it's as simple as the fact that when you have a man like shankley whose principles were really clear who led a life that was so transparent really that his principles of how to act and how to communicate with people and how to involve people and the ethics of hard work and and his OK, his socialist principles of doing things together and bringing people together and doing things for other people and sharing, you know, the stories about him sharing, buying train tickets for fans on who couldn't afford to get on on coaches and trains and getting them into games, etc., etc. I don't think somebody with that kind of character and that understanding of life would have said anything like that without it being tongue in cheek. So I actually think that if you said to Shanks, Shanks, it's 1960 and this year Liverpool can win the treble. They can be champions of Europe. They can be champions of the English League Division 1, as it was then, and they can win the FA Cup. But the price of that is that we're going to sacrifice somebody's life. I think Shanks would have said in in an instant, don't worry about it. We'll just carry on playing football. Don't worry about the sacrifice. He'll sacrifice his own life in terms of what he's doing and how much time he's spending. But I don't think Shanks would actually think that football's actually more important than life and death. I think it was said completely tongue-in-cheek. And again, it just underlines the fact for me that that's why Shanks is top of the tree in terms of being an icon in the world of, of of sport, in the world of football and in the niche that that we're all involved in. Anyway, I felt the need to, to talk about that. You might think, wow, you know, that's never even considered thinking about something like that. But hey, there you go. That's, that's where I'm at. Listen, Al, I appreciate you listening. It's um, great to have you along. Don't forget, have a look at the four agreements and we're going to have loads more content for you in the next few weeks. Take care until next time. Bye-bye.